This is Daniel Figelli. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast, where non-technical leaders stay ahead of the AI curve. And today we're talking about the theme of automation. When people think about automation, we think it emerges it's a very limited way to think about artificial intelligence. But it is the case that some traditional kinds of automation can be a gateway into broader AI capabilities. And who better to speak on this topic than someone who is leading AI at one of the most powerful RPA companies in the world? Sunil Tahil Romani is the AI leader for UiPath. UiPath, as of about a year ago, was valued at something like $40 billion. They are one of the leaders in the robotic process automation world. And Sunil speaks to us as someone who's charged with leveling up RPA with AI about what the journey from RPA to AI looks like. What are some of the use cases where traditional programmed if this then that circumstances are a better fit? And what are some circumstances where AI might be able to add value that RPA can't? And what does it take to get from one step to the other? In other words, how do we go from regular automated workflows into workflows that are more robust and enable more capability with AI. Again, hardly anybody in the world who's closer to this particular problem around AI efficiency and RPA than Sunil, so we're really glad to be able to have him back with us here in the program. I hope you get a lot out of this episode. Without further ado, let's fly right in. This is Sunil with UiPath here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Sunil, I'm glad we're able to have you with us here on the program. And today we're focusing on the evolution of RPA. I think that while we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of where AI is starting to evolve RPA, I'd love your description of what RPA is when you speak to business leaders and how it's different from AI, because I feel like for some people it's not clear. How do you like to explain that? Yeah, Dan, first of all, thank you for having me. UiPath is an enterprise automation software company that is uh, fundamentally reshaping how we work. And at the core of it is this automation technology that essentially takes on the needless repetitive work that we don't enjoy and liberates us to focus on qualities that humans have, such as abstract thinking, such as innovation, such as passion. And the artificial intelligence and machine learning are essentially being brought into these workflows uh, to help with analysis and decisions, essentially delivering AI into every facet of business. And like you said, the lines are starting to blur and there are differences that we would like to highlight. In order to answer that question, it's important to understand what the core of RPA is. So at the core of uh, RPA is uh, this capability of software robots that are capable of emulation and can do things like understand what's on the screen, complete the right keystrokes, navigate between systems, identify and extract data. And they can do that across a wide range of different actions. However, modern enterprises and even your day-to-day work is made up of more than these simple processes and require rich and complex decision-making. Uh, and that's where AI comes in. Automation and AI are essentially complementary technologies to handle these full range of workflows. And a lot of people like to conceptualize that uh, RPA is the hands and AI is the brain. And when combined, there is no limit on what they can achieve from an automation and efficiency perspective. RPA is the hands, AI is the brain. I, I don't mind that. That's a nice, it's a nice early analogy to start with. And I know we're going to go pretty deep on where AI, where those brains, uh, to use your analogy here, Sunil, where those brains are starting to be applied. Just to crystallize RPA for the audience, maybe you could give us one example of kind of a, just a pure RPA use case in whatever industry. And my 
my presumption is it's it's kind of more traditional software. In other words, it's kind of an if-then scenario where we find this, we click this, we find this, we enter this. And like if we if we describe a pure RPA workflow, what's one of those just for the audience? And then we'll talk about AI on top of that if that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the examples was when COVID hit, there was a $349 billion of loan funds that came to small businesses that had less than 500 employees. And the lenders started up accepting applications and it became a volume operational challenge for the banks. And we worked with uh, several of the top banks to automate their issuance of loans. Uh, in this case, the automation extracts borrower information from loan forms, IRS forms, and performs a detailed loan verification check and then uh, submits it to the SBA portal, which is the small business portal. And the typical time reduction we saw was about 90% with the big banks in kind of processing loans manually to processing it using robotic process automation. And they were able to process 50x more times the loan volume uh, as a result of handling automations. Got it. And so, yeah, I would imagine this as an application comes in, it shows up on a certain screen, we have to copy and paste X data, we have to put it somewhere, we have to submit it. And this is a series of different computer interfaces where presumably with pure RPA, and please correct me here, Sunil, if, if you like, with, with pure RPA, we've got a pretty well pre-programmed, you know, what we're clicking, where we're clicking. You know, this this is not a machine that's going to think on its own here. We're, we're pretty cleanly pre-programming. We click here, we go here, we drop it into this box, we send it in this way. And that's kind of a, an ossified program system. And then any new application that comes in, a good amount of that workflow, then we'd have kind of an if-then engine, if you will, pushing it through. Is this a, would you describe it slightly differently than that? Or is that an okay tertiary description of it's, RPA? It's a good tertiary high-level description. Uh, we call it very rules-based processes. There as long as you, yeah, as long as you can define a rule to execute a particular action in a workflow, a core RPA process should be able to handle it. Excellent. And there's plenty of processes, as you just mentioned with lending, there's plenty of processes that we don't necessarily need cutting edge machine learning to automate. We can simply use a good structured set of rules across a couple of workflows and we can push things through. So, okay. So that's, that gives us a great example of what RPA is. And I know for you folks, Sunil, I mean, you, you have a pretty strong background in AI with your work at Microsoft, obviously one of the better known AI companies here in the world and have, have moved over there and been there for about two years off microphone, you were talking about kind of three different strata or levels in which you kind of see AI making its way into RPA. And this evolution is going to be a really exciting one. Are you able to walk us through those or where would you like to start to understand how AI is impacting this rules engine and making it more of a brain type system? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, and then like we said at the beginning of the call, there are three essential layers that we think of when thinking of this philosophy of driving distributing AI to every facet of work. The first one we already kind of touched on earlier, it's the notion of adding cognitive automations where the software robots use machine learning models to automate increasingly sophisticated processes. So in the loan example that we just provided, if you wanted to add the ability to now understand unstructured documents and contracts and that have natural language in them, you can layer on these cognitive capabilities and the, where this is where the power of automation and AI comes together. So that's facet number one. Facet number two is around what we call discovery. This is uh, where a lot of our customers uh, 
when they see this phenomenal results coming out of automations and the ROI that it drives for them, the next question they ask us is, where do I go next? Uh, and this is where uh, we've been able to apply AI and machine learning techniques to uh, help uh, figure out what to automate. So things like task, task mining and process mining can actually discover opportunities, look at your processes, look at how your humans are working, uh, employees are working, and help helping inform a continuous system of observation and ideas. Whoa, okay. We'll go deeper into that. I'll let you keep going. This is That's kind of a cool topic. I like that one. Yeah, yes. And the third one uh, is what we call the last mile, uh, last mile of AI delivery. Uh, and what it means is enterprises have long struggled to access production workloads. And about less than 20% of models, uh, machine learning models, ever see the light of the light of production. Yeah. And what we are seeing is businesses want to leverage automation technologies to infuse AI into their business processes and essentially help with that last mile delivery of AI to the systems. Okay, cool. So we've got three elements here. And the first one was kind of around cognitive processes. The second, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to poke into. And so I'll, I'll try to make good use of our time, but you've opened up some some great doors here, Sunil, and, and we'll go ahead and walk through them. We think about cognitive processes the presumption here is there are some workflows that part of those workflows involve more than just a rules-based engine. We need to be able to level things up and, and actually bring AI into the mix a bit. What's maybe an example of a cognitive automation that kind of goes beyond rules and is able to still automate a workflow, but by leveraging AI instead of just RPA? What's maybe a, a good representative um, example of that from your experience here? Yeah, so I think we focus on like whenever customers ask us on hey, what are my good candidates for these cognitive automations, we tend to focus on three sets of use cases. So the, the, the one is workflows where you cannot with 100% accuracy predict the outcome. Uh, this would be things like loan defaults uh, and determining which customers will default on their loans, doing inventory forecasts, etc. So that's one big area. Then the second area is where there is highly variable processes that depend on a clear-cut set of rules. Uh, this includes things like language translation or resume matching in an HR scenario where there's both variability in candidate resumes, as well as a lot of variability in jobs open that uh, I have in my organization. And if you're wanting to automate the process of matching candidate skills with the jobs that are open, it requires a lot of uh, understanding of natural language and pairing up these uh, higher level of abstraction. And the third is, which is a big area, is processes that rely on unstructured uh, data from documents. and. Stats-wise, there's about 80% of data in an enterprise that's often unstructured. So things like uh, images, videos, emails, articles. So things like email, uh, email routing, invoice extraction, we see a lot of those low-hanging use cases where AI gets used to understand these unstructured nature of documents. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, you're certainly making my process easier here, Sunil, because you're giving us nice lists of three through through your, your way of explaining this. It's a great way to break things down. So, so we could almost think That's about how those... much my simple brain can handle. I guess. <laughs> hey, I, I I'm in the same boat with you, and I think most of our listeners are 
pretty busy leaders that that aren't going to be able to memorize a million things, but they can remember three. So if we could repeat those three, because I think what we're talking about here is almost a pair of goggles to look at your own processes and see where the AI or cognitive automation opportunities might be. So I, I want to just repeat them quickly as a list for, for the listeners. And then I have a couple questions about them, but go, go ahead. Yes. So the three we talked about is workflows that uh, cannot be predicted with 100% outcome guarantee. Yep. Things like uh, loan defaults, inventory forecasts. The second one was highly variable processes. We talked about the resume matching example yep, yep. there. And the third one is around where you have unstructured data, images, documents, articles, et cetera. Got it. Okay, cool. So so if we look at our workflows, you know what somebody in customer service or in marketing or whatever is doing, we might be able to ask, what parts of what they're doing intersect with these three factors and then figure out, is AI able to maybe solve for these? Is that a, a good way of thinking about these rules here? Yes, exactly. And cool. like this is where we guide our customers on yes. when they come and say, which use case should I focus on? Where would I get the highest ROI? This is where... Yeah, you, you steer them in the direction of where those opportunities are. And speaking of steering the opportunities, you brought up a second area where you see AI fitting into the RPA evolution and this was around actually identifying either RPA or AI use cases. In other words, from what I understood, and please correct me, Sunil, if I'm wrong, leveraging AI to examine the workflows of different types of workers and in different port departments of a company, potentially, and using that to figure out where might AI be used in order to add value. Was I correct in assuming that that's what number two is? H how does that work? Because when I think about how that could be pulled off, I would say, geez, what would I need? I'd need to... I need to essentially monitor the click activity and interface activity of a bunch of different workers in different departments and maybe figure out which of them are more repetitive than others and which of them are more consistent than others and which of them fit certain kinds of criteria and then be able to flag those. Maybe I would want to flag little little 10-second video clips, flag those for somebody who's looking at an interface to say, hi, do you want to see where your repetitive tasks are? click here. And then you'd, I'd actually see real workflows and figure out maybe which of these are, are good low-hanging fruit. This is my imagination, Snail running wild. You know how this works in the real world. Explain how does AI help find opportunities for automation? Yeah, no, absolutely. You're headed on the right track, uh, but I'll zoom out a little bit uh, oh, right. where okay. there's this notion that we try to operate on of the principle, which is around continuous discovery. And at a high level, I try to break it down into two big areas, but the notion of uh, continuous discovery is the system should be able to look at your end-to-end -end process with, let's say, purchase to pay or order to cash. And both the two areas are both the backend systems as well as employees are performing their day-to-day -day jobs, give you a sense of where there are bottlenecks and give you a sense of where there are efficiency improvements that could be had by learning and observing the end-to-end -end process. And the way we do this is through two complementary technologies that are called process mining and task mining. Think of process mining as uh, looking at the backend systems. And when I use the word backing system, that means there are system logs that are present in your ERP, CRM systems, et cetera. And it's looking at those to determine the overall backend process. And then the other side of the coin is what we call task mining. This is where exactly like you said, we are able to have an agent uh, that can observe how users are performing 
their day-to-day -day tasks and determine where there is efficiencies uh, to be gained and then recommend through machine learning and AI which parts of the traces based on traces which parts of the job that the employee is doing has potential to be automated and remove the drudgery from their work. Huh. Now talk to us about traces really quickly. Just describe that, Sunil. Yeah. So if you, me, and let's say Tom is the third person doing uh, invoice payments, and we will have our own variation of doing these particular tasks. And even me doing it eight hours a day, I'll have, I'll go through different, different routes to sure. achieve that end job. The same and sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And what, Task mining in this context does is it's uh, able to give you a trace of you went from this step one to step two 68 times in a day, but you followed this uh, step A to step C 72 times a day. And you can then do that across all your employees and determine where what's the most ideal process flow and where there are variations that uh, could have opportunities for efficiency. Wow. I, I really like this idea, Sunil. I, I like this a bunch. So, and again, like you said, you can examine that from backend logs, which is just, you know, hard coded events, you know, who, cl you know, clicked on what opened, what tab did, what thing that's just in the backend. And then you can also do it on the task side, which is looking more, I guess, through the user's perspective and the interface that they're engaging with. And essentially looking from the user's perspective feels much harder because the benefit of a task log, the beauty of that, from what I can see, and again, I don't have direct experience here, but thinking about how AI works at a conceptual level, we have hard-coded events where it's, you know, this button was clicked, this tab was opened, et cetera, this file was dragged over here or, or something. Those feel very, 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 very concrete when, they're, when it's on the back end. And we could essentially ask the question, okay, for payment processing, what is the stream of task of, of back-end process and are there unified examples of these streams and patterns and are there faster versus slower versions of these streams and patterns for a certain workflow and then we can you know use ai to kind of unearth what those repetitive paths are and then i i would imagine human beings would go in and say okay we found some a very fast version of this let's see if this is what we can turn into an rpa system or what we can turn into a default process on the task side being able to so, so our, our features, what we're going to train a model potentially on, on the back end with these little kick out events in the back of our ERP, that feels streamlined. feels like it's going to get tracked the same way, but somebody dragging and dropping and clicking on a real screen when they have other tabs open and many other busy things happening, they might have YouTube up because they're watching a movie in the back, maybe not, but maybe they're, they're listening to music and they've got iTunes or whatever. It's busier on a screen. How do yeah. we, how do we train a system to pay attention to and understand actual features and events on a screen that's that busy? Yeah, so there's two components to that. One is we help the machine learning systems by essentially narrowing the scope of the problem. The, the ways to do that in at least our systems are to be able to first define a set of applications that you would like to be monitored. And you can also go URL level to say that, hey, I don't like if you are on Facebook, I don't care. But if it's a business system, that's when I will think about this task mining notion. Uh, so using that filter of uh, kind of application allow list and URL allow list, you can kind of 
reduce the noise in the system, so to say. And then once you are providing the right set of data to across users, uh, then the machine learning algorithms take over and are able to give you this notion of frequently traveled paths across different users mm. as well. That's that's pretty cool. So the, and and you use them concurrently. You mentioned task and process monitoring here are both occurring at the same time. We can potentially leverage AI to pick up on patterns in either one of them. And tell me if I'm right or wrong here, then I would imagine at some point a human being would step in and say, hey, maybe this would be flagged by AI. Like I identified similar patterns would be flagged by AI. Maybe more efficient versus less efficient patterns could be flagged by AI in terms of time it takes to get a specific job done. I would imagine humans would go in and say, okay, what does this mean for us? And then maybe determine potential changes based on which ones are shorter, which ones are longer. Is that a proper conceptual understanding of how this AI use case would work? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's spot on. Uh, we do think of humans in the loop as a very, very important uh, Always, yeah. criteria. In this case, there are a couple of areas where uh, this uh, human subject matter knowledge comes in. One is to kind of make sense of these uh, different. So the task mining system is outputting a set of automation candidates in this regards for you. But you have to make sense of, hey, is this the right one to focus on or from a business results perspective, or are there uh, ones that have bigger ROI? And the second is looking at, let's say you identified the ideal process, then making the determination, hey, no, it doesn't make sense for, in this case, step two to be before step or you probably are better off reversing the order. And those are like the human decisions that come into the play. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's and that's helpful to, to kind of grasp conceptually. I think that's a really, really unique use case. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves, being able to leverage AI to find automation and streamlining opportunities within a business. Frankly, I don't think we've heard that once on the show, and it'll be cool to see how that bubbles yeah, forward. Yeah, and we launched, uh, we launched this in the summer of this year. So we, I would still say as an industry, we are in early innings, uh, yeah. but uh, tremendous interest from customers around this. The kind of cognitive automations make sense. You know, we come to a juncture or workflow where we need ML to determine how to categorize this email because it's this open-ended text and there's no way to create just pure rules for it. So like that, that makes a lot of sense. But the the identification of new opportunities, like you said, it's it's new, but I think it's very exciting. And I think it's cool we got to highlight that for our listeners today. So hopefully for the people tuned in, Sunil's been able to provide a pretty good vantage point as to where RPA is evolving and also where it's finding opportunities. I thought that second use case was a ton of fun. So Sunil, I, I know that's all we had for time for this episode, but I sincerely appreciate you sharing some of your insights and your technical perspective here on the show. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you for having me, Dan. It was a lot of fun. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Sunil for being able to join us. And thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in all the way to the end of this episode. I appreciate you in a big way being here as a listener. Hopefully you've been tuned in for our Monday AI Success Factors series as well. We've now got two episodes going live every week. So hoping to keep you charged with as much useful information as possible. And if you're looking for more of it, be sure you're also on the newsletter. You can go to emerj.com slash N1, that's N as in newsletter, then just the number one, emerj.com slash N1. And you can sign up for our twice a week newsletter. 
In the newsletter every Tuesday, Thursday, we not only cover all of our latest interviews, but we also send out all of our latest articles and infographics as well. So if you want to stay ahead of the curve with a focus on the ROI of AI, including quotes and best practices from some of the best and brightest, like Sunil, who we're grateful to be able to have with us here today, then be sure again that you're on the newsletter, emerj.com slash N1. Glad to have you here. Looking forward to catching you next week. Thanks as always, and I'll talk to you soon.